Well said. Well said. Well said. Well said. Well said. Well spoken. Well said, Robin. He's a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterer at heart who has found everlasting life all because <laughs> Jesus paid his debt in his life's blood. And all he had to do was repent of his sins, turn from them, and put his faith in Jesus, just like trusting in a parachute. That's right. Ray Comfort is back on the podcast. Welcome back. That was a great introduction. <laughs> that actually is a good introduction because I don't have to live up to anything. You didn't give a high bar. I hate it when people say something like, He's written a hundred books, he's done this and that, and he's really funny. That is just a horrible way to introduce someone. So I can only get better from a lying, thieving, blasphemous adult at heart. So um, the last podcast, your your icebreakers were about chickens and In-N-Out, which were were great. So the question of the podcast is, what is something new you learned this week? Something new I learned this week was that... um, one of my chickens identified as a rooster, which meant we had to send him to heaven because it's illegal to have roosters in our city. And so then we found out yesterday that two more were dressed flamboyantly and were suspicious, and we looked it up, and they're roosters too, which meant they were going to go to heaven. So we found a lady that took them. She's got 200 roosters. She doesn't sleep in each day, I'm sure. Wow, that's With 200 a roosters saying, roosters. wake up. Yeah, she's, she saves them from the chopping block. So... I've learned that uh, roosters are very much like males. They crow a lot. <laughs> and if that silly rooster kept its mouth shut, it would still be with the others. But it had to crow like a proud male. Yeah. It's definitely something interesting. <laughs> so this podcast is about gospel and Christianity and that kind of stuff. So to start out, can you give a gospel presentation in one minute? Yeah, sure. You want me to do it now? Yeah. Well, you're going to die. You've got nothing to lose by listening to this. The Bible says it's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And the standard God's going to judge humanity with is the Ten Commandments. The Bible says he'll judge us by the righteousness of the law. When you look at the law, it reveals your sin. Ask yourself, have I broken the Ninth Commandment and lied or stolen something irrespective of its value? Use God's name in vain. Hated someone, which is murder of the heart, or looked with lust. And everyone's looked with lust and committed adultery in the heart. And so on Judgment Day, when we stand before God, we'll all be guilty, earned our wages. We're going to end up damned in hell, justly. But God's rich in mercy provided a Savior in Jesus. We broke God's law. He paid the fine, took the punishment upon himself, rose from the dead and defeated death. And all we have to do, according to Scripture, is repent of our sin, place our trust in Jesus. Don't trust your goodness. It's not going to help you on Judgment Day. It's none good. Trust alone in Jesus. And you've got God's promise, and he cannot lie. You'll pass from death to life. Wow, that was great. I don't know if it was a minute. (laughs) I don't know how long it was either, but we'll see. That was good. So I've done it before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, of course, because you did that just right there. So why is it important that, I guess, anyone has that gospel presentation just like right there? I call it bus stop presentation. You're standing next to a stranger who's open to the gospel. He says to you, are you a Christian? Share the gospel with him. You see the bus is coming, and it's about a mile away. You see in the distance, so you've got one minute. So you should have a bus stop presentation. You should have a 10-second presentation. Mm-hmm. You should have a two-hour presentation, and the way to get it is just to practice what you preach. Mm-hmm. Practice on the dog. Practice in the shower. Just think about how you'd share the gospel with somebody. And the more you practice, the more proficient you'll be at sharing the gospel because you've got to be always ready, Scripture says. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I'll just meet a stranger and I've got four seconds. Mm. 
So I just say, make sure you read your Bible. Nothing more important than where you'll spend eternity. That little five-second wording could change someone's eternity. Don't forget to read your Bible. There's nothing more important than where you'll spend eternity. I use that on uh, telemarketers. Hello, Mr. Carbot, i got something to share. Can I share something with you before you do? Yeah. You're reading your Bible? No. Why not? Well, I don't know. Well, there's nothing more important where you're going to spend eternity. Don't you think? Are you going to heaven when you die? And suddenly you've got some guy in there who was a slick speaker like 10 seconds ago on his back foot yeah. answering questions about eternity. And I've had lots of talks like that. And if you blow it, you go, blah, 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 I didn't say something wrong. I said something wrong. Just hang up. I was telling Mark, I've got to go. I'm messing up. Bye. You know, isn't, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. It's just embarrassment. We look on, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm embarrassed. I'm shy. Well, someone's eternity is at stake. Yeah. And so uh, with this lady that took our roosters, um, I got to share the gospel with her mm-hmm. on the phone when I called her and said, you, you look after roosters? I said, well, you've got nothing to do. You might like to watch our YouTube channel. You watch YouTube? Yeah. It's good. There's a good one you might like to watch called uh, Crazy Bible. It's one of my favorites. And she watched it, and she was texting me a narrative all the way through. And then I, when I took the chickens or the roosters over to her, I was able to witness to her on camera and end up praying with her and gave her an evidence Bible. So if you've got a little push in your psyche, it'll open doors. Yeah. Just have that attitude. Say, so I'm going to just push yeah. a little bit and see what happens when I meet strangers. Mm-hmm. Also in your videos, you'll say to the people, like, I'm dying. I have two minutes to live. Three. How... <laughs> okay, okay. Well, get, you can have two minutes to <laughs> live. Yeah, you can go one minute if you want. <laughs> yeah. Look, I got five seconds to live. Yeah, no, you can go for two. I'll let you. Yeah. So that's also another oh, case. It's huge. It's yeah. I used it on four Mormons on Saturday. Mm. Uh, they said, "I see you guys LDS." Yeah. And I said, "I got three minutes to live. How do I get to heaven?" And he says, "Well, that uh, that uh, uh, any flabbergasted with it." Yeah, I think I was watching that this morning. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a great door opener. And so you say that I've got three minutes to live, and as they're mumbling away and saying, you've got to do this, you've got to knock on doors, you've got to do good work, say, oh, I've got two minutes, come on, this is serious, can you help me? And when they can't, that's when you can share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. So you were mentioning your roosters, how they turned out to be roosters and not chickens. Um, how have chickens helped you to share the gospel? You're giving you an opportunity to. I know you mentioned that lady who took your roosters, um, but... How about with your chickens? <laughs> um, chickens are chicken. They really are fearful creatures that are filled with fear like 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. They'll walk around just eating and pecking at things and making noises, but you've got to pick them up and they're terrified. They'll just run away from you. And we get a lot from that because they're really scared of nothing most of the time, and that's what we're like when it comes to evangelism. We really are chicken. And so what we've got to do is learn to overcome our fears. And I do it all the time. I get nervous when I go to speak to someone, but I don't listen to my fears. Mm-hmm. And the key is to be like a firefighter. Scripture likens us to firefighters. It says others save with fear, making a difference, having compassion, pulling them from the fire. And so when a firefighter sh- shows up at some fire and some woman screaming from the third story, holding on to a couple of kids and there's flames licking behind her, the firefighter doesn't say, yikes, this is scary. I'd rather be home watching TV with my family on old black and white movie or something. No, he's a firefighter. He's got to take hold of himself and ignore his fears. Climb that ladder, reach out to that woman. Can you imagine doing that with flames and a woman screaming, kids screaming, and if he drops a kid, 
he's in big trouble. And, yeah. You know, and there's smoke everywhere, and he's mm-hmm. 60 feet in the air on a ladder with all this heavy gear. And so that they've got to be courageous, and that's what we've got to be like as Christians. Don't think of ourselves. Think of that woman. That's the key to the firefighter. He thinks of the woman, the children, and their fate. He doesn't think of his own fears, and that's what we've got to do as Christians. Yeah. Don't think about yourself. Think about the fate of the ungodly. Yeah. Have you been able to share the gospel like with your neighbors or anything yeah. that you've been able to give them eggs and stuff? Yeah, it's it's really scary. Seriously, I'd rather speak at an atheist convention with a thousand machete-welding atheists uh, yelling at me than have a, a discourse with one of my neighbors. It's I find it very scary. And that's because if you mess up your relationship with your neighbor, that's pretty bad. You want to yeah. keep in good with your neighbors. So I've got Indonesians on one side. I've got Hindus in front of me. I don't know who's on this side. There's some new people. Jehovah's Witness on that side. Catholics on that side, on the left side. Been able to give a lot of literature to the Catholics, witness to them, the Hindus, um, witness to them, especially the daughter. Her name is Mandeep. Mm -hmm. And I got to know her probably 10 years ago, took her around to our ministry, gave her a meal, and chatted away with her. She's really sweet. The foul-mouthed person you've ever met. Mm. She was just unbelievable. We used to call her Mun Bleep because she had to bleep out every second word. But about a year ago, I saw her standing across from our roadway and ran across to us. She says, can I interview you for a television program? She did a 15-minute interview without one cuss word, and she was very, very humble. I think I ended up praying with her in the end, giving her literature. So, yeah, I've been able to witness to my neighbors, not to the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're pretty um, – try to be friendly, but they won't take gifts. Mm. And they're, they're, um, but I get on well with them. That's good. Yeah. You take your ministry very seriously, but you don't take yourself seriously. You're telling jokes and making jokes and stuff. So can devote Christians, such people who read the Bible and take the Bible seriously, have a sense of humor? How, how should that look? And how can that be, um, a tool to reach people with the gospel? It's huge. Back to the chicken coop. Our chicken coop gets very dusty. Mm-hmm. We clean it out every sad day, and if you get a broom and try and sweep it out first, you just about choke on the dust because mm-hmm. it's very dusty. Yeah. Um, the key is to take a hose and go a little spray in there first, and it holds all the dust down. Most people are pretty dry. Preachers are pretty dry sometimes. You don't want a dry preacher. Andy Griffith spoke of his preacher being dry as dust. That's uh-huh. what he called it. Yeah. So you can wetten up your approach with just a little bit of humor. Um, you say, I don't know how to do that. Well, Jesus did it. You can, even a dad joke works. Yeah. You know, sometimes if you're in a pulpit or you want it, before I preach anywhere, I want to make the people laugh because it's going to make them feel un- feel comfortable with me and make me feel comfortable with them. Yeah. So I always use humor at the beginning. Tell a little joke. Not a silly joke, but it's usually something dumb I've done. I do dumb things all yeah. the time, all the time. It makes people laugh. They identify with it. And so I, I try and use humor because Jesus used humor. Mm. You say, where did Jesus use humor? Well, if you can't get an image that makes you smile of straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel, that is a funny image. Yeah. With, with some guys, just be careful. Don't let this gnat get over here. But he's swallowing a huge camel. Um camel going through an eye of a needle where Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and the king calling out for those to come and one guy says I've just got some oxen I've got to go and test them well you don't test oxen after you've bought them 
Yeah. You know, it's just crazy. They've got these lame excuses. And the third guy, a fourth guy, just says, I can't come because I have a wife. <laughs> well, if you have a wife, you'll know what that means. She's just not allowed to go. And it, it's humorous. It's okay. funny. Yeah. Um, so, because often women pull the strings. They don't say they do, but they do. <laughs> so, the Bible has humor in it. Jesus yeah, Mary Hart does good like a medicine. We yeah. should have a Mary Hart. I mean, what are you going to do in heaven? Well, heaven's coming to the earth, by the way. We're not going to be sitting on clouds playing rusty harps. Yeah. God's kingdom's coming to this earth. We inherit the earth, as the scriptures say. God's going to take the curse off where there'll be no more creation devouring itself and disease and pain, suffering, death, tsunamis and earthquakes and floods. We'll have this earth as the Garden of Eden where pleasure will be evermore ours to a point where God says, I'm going to create all things new and your eye or your imagination hasn't begun to conceive of the wonderful things that he's got in store for those that love him. So that's our glorious hope, and it's going to be love and laughter for eternity. Yeah. Fun and friendship and fellowship and all these things. So uh, you better get used to it. If you haven't got a sense of humor, better get one, because we're going to have a good time through eternity. Yes. You use your life to reach people with the gospel. So when it comes to your death, um, how would you want that to reach people with the gospel? Whether, like, that's a funeral? Uh, oh, no, no. Know, I, no what's like going to happen is our YouTube channel is going to go on steroids when I die. <laughs> <laughs> people are going to start, because that's what you do when someone dies. You think, oh, what, what did he have to say? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going it's, to, a lot of atheists are going to be very excited, and they'll go and check mm-hmm. out the channel. A lot of people get saved because it's the power of the gospel that saves people. The wonderful thing, I'm coming up at 74. I'll be lucky to finish this interview. You know, but it death can yeah. seize on any of us yeah. at any time, young or old. But it's so wonderful to know that death has no sting. Yeah. I'm like a guy who knows he has to jump out of a plane, but he's clinging to a parachute that's been put together by his mother. It's going to open, so he's got tremendous trust in the parachute. No longer fearful because he knows that parachute's going to save him. So when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, death has lost its sting. It still has a bit of pain to it, but it's lost that real sting. And so I'm so grateful that God dealt with my biggest problem, death, 2,000 years ago. So I think my books will sell too, because when authors die, their books start selling well. So I've got, I haven't got, I don't want to be remembered or have a legacy, but I do want God to continue to use our ministry to reach the lost. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You might have already said this when you were likening us to chickens, Um, but I don't know. can't get away from the chickens, (laughs) can you? But, you know, you might have something else to say about it. So what is your secret to sharing the gospel? The secret to sharing the gospel is that I really care about people. Mm. You know, I can see, I mean, who would not be horrified to see a whole family get into a car that's heading downhill towards a thousand foot cliff and you know the car hasn't got any brakes. Mm. And they're all getting in and having a great time. They're just about to turn the key on and put the foot on the accelerator you can't do anything else. You can't go and play tennis or ride a bike when you know that's happening. So that's what I feel like. I, I don't have any real sport. I've got chickens. I ride mm-hmm. a bike. Um, but I don't have anything that consumes my time because I am consumed by the fate of the ungodly. Mm. Just a continual horror at the thought of people dying without the Savior. Human beings like me that don't have a parachute when they jump. That horrifies me. So that's my continual provocation. I go to a local college twice a day to share my faith. I go to Huntington Beach every Saturday, rain or shine, uh, because I know I'm going to get some good interviews. And those interviews can 
reach literally millions. They can get one interview with someone who gets upset, and they're in- interesting, that'll get over a million interviews where people hear the gospel. So I know that I've been given a wonderful opportunity, so I have a great responsibility not to waste my time. Yeah. i got a lazy boy at home, mm-hmm. and I can put it back and just laze at home all day, or I can say, I'm getting up, I don't care how tired I feel, getting on that bike with my dog wearing sunglasses, we both got sunglasses, and go to the local college, and I come back clicking my heels saying, boy, I'm glad I went. Yeah. And I get a, get a great lot of joy. I mean, just recently, my dog and I were going along on bike, and we passed two ladies. She, my dog looks cute, wears sunglasses, and so do I. But as we went past these two ladies, one of the ladies went <laughs> at me, and that so thrilled me. I just thought, boy, I've still got it. Uh-huh. And our ladies <laughs> call out, how cute when I go past <laughs> continually. And I say the dog's cute also as we go past, but that makes me laugh. Yeah. It's like a little, you know, tonic. And mm. it happens so often, it's fun. Yeah, fun. You, I know you've mentioned this somewhere, I don't know where, but um, about the story of when you were on an airplane sitting next to a girl who was listening to worship music or mm. something. And you asked, like, you were waiting for her to share the gospel with you. And then she never did. And so you asked if she's going to. And she was unfazed. I said, that. I'm scared of going to. No, I said, uh, how can I get to heaven? Uh-huh. And she took her earphones off mm-hmm. and looked at me and said, well, you don't want to go to hell and put her earphones back on. She just didn't even care. Yeah. And I think, how can someone be like that? Yeah. And it's because our churches are filled with false converts mm-hmm. that have no concern for the lost. They've got hearts of stone. And that's uh, very, very sad. Yeah, that is. Okay, so one of the things that you sell on your website, along with books and lots of stuff, is gospel tracts. So that's um, a big thing that you sell. Was that one of the first things that um, you were selling on your website? It was the first thing. Okay. It was back in 1974. We used to get these free tracts from a Christian organization that we shipped out to all the people that got our Jesus paper. It was a free paper that we had. And we get orders every day for these free tracts. And... um, so, yeah, I've, all, I've been selling tracks mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, you know, you talk about the importance of um, giving out gospel tracks. I know you talk about that on your podcast. Um, but can you share here why it's so, like, important and unique and a unique opportunity to give out a gospel track versus, like, sharing the gospel? Well, often you don't have time to share the gospel. You know, you've got that bus stop, yeah. and you've only got five seconds, but you can say, when you've got a minute, <coughs> read this. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm dying. <laughs> 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 Something got in my throat as a fr- French fry. Um, yeah, the tracks can speak when you can't. They're going to take them home and read them when they want to. They, they have to listen to you, even mm-hmm. if they don't want to, but when they read a track, they're doing it by their own volition, by their own choice. So tracks are very powerful. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, use striking tracks or none whatsoever. Mm. And our tracks are striking. They're different. They get attention. And so they're a great thing to do, especially if you haven't got the courage to actually speak to people. You can leave a track lying around. Um, I always carry tracks on me. I've said many, many times, if anyone finds me in public without a gospel tract, I'll give them $1,000. And I remember once a guy saw me in a swimming pool. He says, aha. (laughs) And I said, got it out of my pocket. And he says, aha. I always carry tracks on me, even in a swimming pool. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, so, and we'll leave the link for the website and stuff so people can go pick up the tracks so that they can always have them on them and re- always be ready. 
Um, but just closing, what exhortation would you give to the person listening um, about sharing the gospel, about any of that stuff? Don't waste your life. You want to, if you get a deathbed, you want to look back and say, I've run the race. And I can say, and this isn't a boast because this is normal biblical Christianity, I haven't wasted my life. I've spent every moment of every day with a deep concern to do the will of God. I don't think there's been an hour in my life where I haven't been consumed with wanting to do God's will. That's what every Christian should be like, and we should have passed through what I call a Gethsemane experience, where you sweat drops of blood at the very thought of reaching out to the ungodly. But you deal with it and say, not my will, but yours be done. That's when you crucify your will. So when you go up to someone, you give them a gospel track, you say, I'm not, my, I'm not my own, I belong to the Lord. I'm going to be a spokesperson for God, and may God help me, and he will, he's faithfully promised. So don't waste your life. I feel sorry for people that became world-renowned world renowned sporting figures or billionaires, and it's just a waste of time. It's just vanity, um, vanity fear. Yeah. The praise of men is just so empty. Um, you can be a hero one moment, and they'll call out Hosanna and next moment they'll crucify you they want to because you didn't hit it, kick a goal the way they thought uh-huh. you're supposed to so praise of men is so superficial so live for the praise of God for his will and do his will daily and uh, you can't spend your, spend your life doing anything better yeah that's good thank you so much for being on the podcast um, it's been a blessing and we'll leave this stuff to go find um, your ministry and videos and all that Um, So thank you so much. Been a joy. Thank you.